If you have your Bibles with you, I'd be glad if you could turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want particularly to look at uh, verse 9 and 10 with you in the context of this particular chapter. The week before us promises to be a somewhat momentous one as the general election beckons us on Thursday. Well, the last time a general election was held in December was on the 6th of December, 1923. Interestingly, 96 years ago. I have to confess to being really disappointed with the general election campaign. I'm not making a political point here. I'm simply saying it has been discouraging with respect to the level of debate, the rancour and the general tenor of the uh, campaign. But often news today is depressing, isn't it, and discouraging. Two weeks ago in London, London Bridge, it's a terrorist outrage, where two Cambridge graduates were killed by the one they sought to help. And he himself was killed. How sad, how very sad it is. We see events of the day and age in which we live, both domestic and international, and they cannot but be concerning to us all if we're believing people. We see civil wars unabating, bloodshed, how sad it is. Many issues concern us, particularly in this country. I have in mind particularly those trends in education today. What a burden this must be for the Christian teacher. And no doubt there are some here present and you know exactly what I'm talking about. The pressure and the stress which you are under deserves our prayerful support and we ask for God's help for you as you labour in the public sphere with all these pressures and tensions. And then again, there are trends happening in society today which really concern us. Uh, In July, I think this year, a, a, a doctor was sacked from the Department of Work and Pensions, a Christian, because he had before him professionally a six foot three man with a great beard who insisted that the doctor call him madam. He refused and got the sack for that. Well, in the light of all these negative things that are happening, it's not a fitting response for any believer to wring their hands in despair. Yes, we could say that the state of the UK is as dark as it ever has been. But then again, the New Testament uh, 
saw an emerging church in the Acts of the Apostles in a similar dark situation, faced with a monolithic Rome. We find ourselves confronted with a monolithic, secular, humanistic culture. We feel ourselves intimidated by this. What are we to do? Are to we retreat? Are we to wring our hands in despair? And the answer is no. No, we do not, my friends. Is there grounds for pessimism as we consider the word of God? No, there's not. And I, I want to instill in us this evening, myself included, because I'm included here, a sense of confidence in God and in the gospel. So that is my burden, really, this evening to share with you this theme, which I hope we will consider together. Hope for a weary day. Hope for a weary day. Here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The purpose of the apostle writing to the Thessalonians was to encourage them. Some had gone a bit negative with regard to the gospel. Some had forgotten of the event, the second coming of Jesus, and he writes to encourage them and to strengthen them in the gospel. And there was a great deal of love and affection for this church. Look with me at chapter 2 and uh, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. What a wonderful sentiment to express to his beloved brethren there in Thessalonica. So this is a very assuring and positive letter. It's, it, it's worthy of our study. He's encouraged by them. He urges them not to be distracted by the culture and hostility towards them as we feel it today, don't we? It's not as if the Christian church is viewed with a kind of benign neutrality today. Well, it was when I was first converted in the early 60s. Now there's outright hostility. Well, we know where we stand. But we don't repay like for like. We show forth the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a weary day. There's no question about this. We feel this. You feel this. I feel this. But Paul is hopeful. And there is hope. There's hope for us today. There is the gospel. And there is God. The great author of the gospel of his beloved son, the Lord Jesus. And who can not be encouraged by the words of 
Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, my friends, there's much to be encouraged by and in our Saviour Jesus and the glorious gospel of his grace. One writer mentioned this quite touching illustration. He says, Faith, hope and love are like three sisters. Two of them have grown and the other is a small child. They go forward hand in hand with the child, hope, in the middle. Looking at them, it would seem that the bigger ones are pulling the child. But it's the other way round. It is the little girl who is pulling the two bigger ones. It is hope that pulls faith and love. Without hope, everything would stop. Biblical hope is not the world's hope. An expression of desire for an uncertain outcome. I hope things will work out. No, as followers of Christ, our faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Fedor Dovieski summed this up when he said, to live without hope is to cease to live. My friends, there's hope in Jesus and in the living God today. My second church where I was pastor for 20 years in London, in East London, was called Hope Chapel. I love that. I love that. It inspired confidence in God and his gospel. So we're going to look at this uh, subject this, after, this evening and I want to consider six things with you. We're going to consider six things, how we can demonstrate from this passage that the gospel is glorious and hope-inducing. I need to hear this, and Christian, you need to hear this. And if anyone here is not a Christian and doesn't know Jesus, well, you come depressed and downcast, all I say to you, with the greatest frankness, there's hope for you only in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So, in what way is the gospel so hope-inducing? How is there can be, how can there be hope in this weary day in which we live? Well, the first thing I want to say is this. It changes lives. It changes lives. The gospel is in the business of life changing. It changed my life as a 17-year-old in 1963, coming from a non-Christian home. I came stumbling and hesitating, full of anxious inquiry, and yet believing that Jesus would save me, and he did. And he changed my life. Some years ago, I went to a funeral of a friend of mine who, who's, uh, I had been his best man 
his brother sought me out after the funeral service and he said, you remember me, don't you, Jeff? Yes, his name was Andy Arscott. I was in your tent the night you were saved. And he said to me, I don't boast about this, this is what he just said, he said, you were changed. God changed you. You were not very nice before. But one couldn't doubt the power of God in your life, and I thank God for that. And so these Thessalonians, well, they were changed too. When anyone turns to the Lord, God's power comes to them in the power of the Holy Spirit, and there is the regenerating grace of God, which which brings changed lives. It brings changed lives. What a joy to be at the service this morning. I wasn't, but you were. To see nine people baptised. Wonderful. Praise God. And they came to know Jesus and they are changed by the grace of God. Thank you, Lord, for that. And how can we tell that these Thessalonians were saved? Well, the Bible tells us. They tells us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols. And they just didn't just turn to God from idols. Something happened to serve, to serve the living God. They were changed by the mighty power of God. And see what happened within them. If you look at verse 3, it's so touching this. Paul gives thanks to them, thanks to God for them, and says, we remember you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing this threefold description of them. Your work of faith, labour of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Beforehand, they didn't bother with God. They weren't concerned for him. They didn't love anyone but themselves. They certainly weren't patient, but something had happened. They had turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. What a wonderful thing to be able to say amen to that in my experience and in your experience, my friends. And there may be some here, actually, and you haven't yet turned to God from idols. Now, you may say, this is an insulting comment. The preacher's made me an idol worshipper. Well, my friends, if God is not number one in your life, yes, that's what you are. Because self is on the throne of your life, and it must be dethroned. Well, we can say idolatry can be a love of money. It can be a love of material things. It can be an inordinate love of children, love of power, the love of likes on Facebook. Supremely, it's often this, it is the love of self. Ah, but something happened to these Thessalonians. God had come with mighty power. They turned to God from idols. How, how did that happen? How did that happen to them? How did this happen to me? 
all those years ago as a young teenager in the early 60s. How did it happen to you, Christian? Well, verse 5 tells us, doesn't it? Our gospel did not come to you in word only. It was important that it came in word. But there's also, it came in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. How thankful we should be that God is still doing that today in the hearts of sinners. So here is why there's hope aplenty in this weary day. The gospel changes lives. And the second thing why there's hope in this weary day is the gospel displays the love of God. The the gospel shows us the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the beauty and the glory of God in his sacrificial death upon the cross and glorious resurrection. It tells us that we are wrong and he is right. And all who turn to God and say, yes, Lord, I turn to you, there is the promise of the gospel. He will receive them. He will bring them to know the loving Lord. It brings deep conviction. It brings joy in the Holy Spirit. Do you know something of that personally? I want to ask you this, my friends. Have you joy in the Holy Spirit through the grace of God given to you in Jesus, in the Gospel? This is the only hope you have. There's no other Gospel than this. And no other saviour than this. And the world and the gospel are in collision course, did you know? It is. There's no coexistence between the two. And for those of us who are engaged on the open air ministry of the open air mission, we see this regularly enough. There is a collision course between the world and the gospel of Jesus. And we do not compromise. No. And this is why a year or so ago I I heard this sad news item coming from Queensland in Australia. Sadly, where they're having all these terrible fires at the moment. Uh, The Queensland government in Australia had banned Christmas in primary schools. That they shouldn't mention the name of Jesus. It was too divisive. But then again, Jesus ever remains historical figure of controversy. He does and will divide. And he won't be banned. And he can't be ignored. Shame on us if we think for one moment he can. He can't. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And he is Lord. So this is why my heart is confident in God this evening. Even though I'm I'm dreading this coming week in what it's going to bring forth in the history of this country. My hope is not in politicians, I have to say. It is in the living God and hope and confidence in him. 
And this is why. Because this gospel changes lives. And it displays the love of God. And thirdly, it highlights the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it highlights the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each conversion is a miracle. It truly is. I came back from this camp on the 24th of August, 1963. I told my mother that I'd been converted, that I became a Christian. And she said to me, but, but you always have been a Christian. You were baptised as a baby. No, mother, I wasn't. And she kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, well, we'll see what will happen. Well, by God's grace, she herself, before she died, came to know Jesus as a living, loving saviour. My grandmother too. Wonderfully. You, Christian, are a miracle. You really are. Rejoice in that. Think back of your testimony of how God saved you and how he dealt with you in that sovereign way. And I do so from time to time in a reflective mood. I'm staggered his goodness and grace to me in the gospel. Just saying to one of the brothers in the vestry, seeing the photographs of the former pastors of this church. Very interesting to see them uh, on the wall there, the roll of honour, as it were. Reminded me when I was preaching at uh, Trinity Road Chapel Tooting, where Ken Patterson used to be the pastor. And they similarly have a, a roll of honour of photographs of their previous pastors on the wall. And I saw one that was... Uh, his ministry was about 1951 to 57. And his name was the Reverend Stephen Plunkett. And I recognised him. And I recognised the name. He was my RE teacher at secondary school. He left the ministry to take up RE. I wasn't a Christian then. And we were a, a, a terrible class to him. He said, you're the only class... I have, that I must pray with my eyes open. And uh, it's true. And I was one of them who were not very nice young lad. And here I was, about to mount his pulpit, 45 years or so later. I thought, thank you, Lord, for saving me. And this, is, this demonstrates, doesn't it? It demonstrates, to, it was certainly to me, the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he says, our, our Saviour. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know his master, what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Christian, you're one of Jesus' friends. He's your elder brother. Coming back soon. Here's confidence to be in him, surely, in this weary, dreary day in which we live. The gospel comes to save sinners 
who heed the message and yield to the sovereign sway of King Jesus. Let's never be discouraged when we reflect on Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today and forever. We read of the, the sovereign work of Jesus in the book of the Revelation. And like John, we should be on our faces, shouldn't we? Really. So let us not be negative, downcast or depressed, lacking in confidence in this great Saviour who saves all who come to him, who turns no one away. So here is why we can have confidence in God, hope in God in this weary day. It highlights the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And fourthly, it magnifies his word. The gospel, my friends, is word-centred. We know this because we are told this already. Our gospel did not come to you only in word. Well, it did come in word. Thank you, Lord. It came in word. It also came in power and in the Holy Spirit. The reception of that message was so powerful and impressive that everyone knew about it. They couldn't keep the witness quiet in Thessalonica. Verse 8, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out. News has spread. So that we do not need to say anything. You are our advert. It was amazing. Here it was, where no technology was available. And those who received it, passed it on. And thus the message was magnified. And it's made its appeal compelling with transformed lives behind it. Now, this is a great need today. That we have this confidence in God. And we pass the message on as he enables us. Now, the sport of athletics has a a variety of different disciplines. Track and field. One important discipline, of course, is the relay race, whether 100 metres, 200 or 400 metres. What is most important in that, uh, those disciplines of the relay race is that you pass the baton on and you don't drop it. Here you can have three legs of the four-leg race and you're winning and you drop the relay, baton, you've lost. Today, my friends, in the Gospel, Old folks like me are trying to put, pass on the baton. So young people, take it from me, please. Take it from me. Take it from me and share the good news of Jesus to those with whom you work and those with whom you study. How important this is, my friends. The message of the gospel passed on from one to another. Where would I be if no one shared with me the gospel of Jesus, I wouldn't be here. Where would you be, Christian, 
If no one passed on the gospel to you, where would you be? Nowhere. If a Sunday school teacher didn't actually share with you privately what was on her heart, what was on his heart 40, 50 years ago, and it touched you, where would you be? Apart from that fellow student when you were at college 40 years ago, taking you to a CU meeting, where would you be if he hadn't done that, she hadn't done that? What about your Christian parents who shared with you and you were a recalcitrant youngster like I was, resisting, 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 but they prayed for you and prayed for you and prayed for you and eventually by God's grace his Holy Spirit came and melted your heart. Where would you be if it wasn't for them? my friend? Where would you be? Where would I be? Oh, how wonderful we can say that the gospel magnifies the word of God. And in these nine folks who were baptised this morning, each of them have a testimony. And the word of God is going to be, I trust, magnified in their lives. And they can be passers on of the glorious gospel to their own friends and neighbours and colleagues. So this is why I'm full of confidence today. Not in myself, but in the Lord and in his word and in his grace and in his gospel. Here, fifthly, why is this, whole, this message so hope-inducing in this world, this weary day in which we live? Well, the fifth thing it says is this, I believe. It humbles man. It humbles man. I've been looking to see on the various political broadcasts I've heard and seen any hint of humility. Not a bit of it. Tell me if I'm being cynical this evening, but that's just how it is. These are these words here in 1 Thessalonians 1 are the polar opposite of the ways of the world. The word that typifies the outlook is advertise and spin. I remember seeing a billboard some years ago advertising some clothing, young people's clothing. And the strap line was this. Looking good is not only important, it's essential. It's essential. I'm walking up back to my manse from the church at Highbury, passing a hairdress, hairdressing saloon. I saw this strap line. Here is your new place of worship. It's all about image today, isn't it? No, but the gospel, truly understood, truly embraced, humbles you. It humbles you. It says how you, not what you look like, it says what you are and humbles you. I'm not surprised that gay pride call itself pride, really. Are you? No. Pride. Pride. It epitomises this worldly mentality. Oh, but when God works in the heart and the soul, it transforms you 
by his grace. Your faith towards God has gone out. The reputation has gone before you. We need not say anything because you're living the gospel out in daily life. You turn to God from idols. That is repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. And so when God works by his grace and humbles you, you know that it has that transformative effect. No self-promotion then. The believer cannot but serve with humility. And sometimes I've felt in the ministry over 40 years that when God has been so gracious to bless, I dare not almost share it, lest it fill my heart with pride. So, we come on to our sixth point, really, considering how this wonderful gospel message is hope-inducing in this weary day. The sixth thing and the last thing is this. It points to final redemption. Oh, this is a wonderful verse, verse 10. It tells how you've turned to God from idols to serve the living God. And then what? Well, it goes on to say, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, does that bring you confidence, brother? Does that bring you confidence, sister? Not in yourself, but in him. Because he is working to his agenda. Not to the politicians of this country, but to his agenda. Oh, to wait for his son from heaven. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. It's coming. There is a day, and it's been appointed And only the Father in heaven knows it. But it is coming. And Jesus is coming. And only Jesus rescues before that day. And how important that he rescues you, unsaved friend. He is the gospel ark. Are you in? Are you trusting alone in in the Saviour's finished work? Are you in? My friends, you can't be half in and half out. You're wholly in, or you're not in at all. And when you're in, you're not there with two fingers crossed behind your back saying, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll leave. No, no, there's no leaving. No leaving whatsoever. And when you're in and the flood comes, you are safe by the grace and mercy of God. But if you're not in, my friends, if you're not in, imagine this, swept away to judgment. So don't leave it unsettled. Don't leave it. If you feel unsettled in your mind about this, seek God until you find him.
Come off the fence and settle this today. What a verse this is. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Oh, my friends, this is a verse to live by. This is a, re- a verse to rejoice in. This is a verse to live day by day with our faith strengthened and renewed and our hope looking to that day to serve him and to glorify him. And I say, Lord, prosper that day and bring it forward to us, please, and help us live for you to your glory and to your praise.